Episode 292 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by Audible. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash read to lead or text read to lead to 500 500. are told that engagement is likes, comments, followers, shares. That's the way that all of the social media tools that we use define engagement. It is a level, but if you don't know how it fits into the grand scheme of things, you can kind of just get stuck. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff Brown and believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. I'm going to help you not only narrow this important reading list, but bring you the key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors right from the authors themselves. In a moment, we'll sit down together with Amanda Slavin. She's author of the brand new book, The Seventh Level, Transform Your Business Through Meaningful Engagement with Your Customers and Employees. I'm going to ask Amanda to share about how she defines engagement, as it's a word few people truly understand, how to craft your own seventh level statement and what that means. And we'll dig into each of these seven levels themselves and a lot more. You know, a book I recently read and featured in my online book club called Read to Lead University is a book by Brendan Burchard called High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. And I'll tell you a little bit later in the show how to get a free copy of Brandon's book. Again, it's called High Performance Habits and a book I highly recommend. Amanda Slavin is the founder and CEO of the award-winning brand consulting firm Catalyst. She's helped brands like Coca-Cola, Google, and HubSpot to do good for the world without having to sacrifice their bottom line. She does this through her proprietary method of quantifying and scaling engagement known as the seventh level engagement framework. And lucky for us, she's written a book about it called The Seventh Level. Transform your business through meaningful engagement with your customers and employees. I'm excited to get to chat with her. Amanda, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I've enjoyed uh, getting to know you through your book. And I want to talk about this this word engagement. I think that the concept of engagement is one a lot of people, Amanda, give lip service to, but don't really have a solid understanding <laughs> <Yes>. of. <laughs> and, and I wondered if you would speak to that and maybe define engagement in, in this context. Sure. Yeah. It's this very kind of nebulous word that everyone uses. It's like you used for everything. And and that was really kind of, that's how I opened the book as well as like, what is engagement? And that is, is a reason why I wanted to write the book is to be able to have one definition for engagement. So you know, the way that I define engagement is really this essentially like meaningful connection, meaningful attention between a person and a message, a job, another person. So it's it's really being able to kind of look at why is engagement important. And in order to be able to define engagement, I also talk about what engagement is not. So, you know, I think the way that we currently define engagement is it's very binary. It's either engagement or disengagement. But the way that I define engagement is through having these seven distinct levels. And the seventh level, which I can certainly talk more about, is this 
is, is called literate thinking. It's when your personal values and beliefs align with the message. And so that is what I mean by engagement is that deep and visceral connection to this kind of, again, bigger than life, whether it is a relationship, a job, um, a concept, a message, a product um, that really speaks to you in this meaningful way. Mm, a little seventh level tease there from Amanda. Yes. I like that. Uh, <laughs> before we can walk through the framework and, and reach the seventh level with someone, Amanda says, we have to be able to articulate our own seventh level statement, right? So Amanda, yep. walk us through what's involved in determining what that statement looks like. Yeah. So the way that I, I talk about it is I actually break out when Harry met Sally. Have you ever seen when Harry met Sally? I have. I, I love that about the book. <laughs> It's actually, it's, it's the 30th year anniversary oh, wow. for When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Um, so I, I talk about relationships a lot. And, you know, a lot of people, when I give talks, people come up to me and they say like, is this could really be used for like my relationship? Like I'm dating and I, I'm really seeing that I could use this a lot in dating or I'm seeing I could use this a lot in my marriage. I say that relationships start in a lot of, a lot of ways in the workplace because we're at work for so long that that's really, you know, again, if we're the sum of the five people that we spend the most time with, then we should probably really be valuing the time that we're spending at work. Um, and mm. so it's all relationship based. So when you think about a relationship, I always say kind of like you wouldn't necessarily marry someone if you knew nothing about them and if you knew nothing about yourself. <laughs> um, and I did live in downtown Vegas for five years, which is a whole other story. So I did see a lot of people marry each other, uh, <laughs> even though they didn't know anything about each other or themselves. Uh, but generally, before you get into a committed relationship, you really want to understand what you stand for and what you believe in. I think the problem that's happening a lot of times, too, with legacy brands they are trying to survive is they're trying to change who they are to reflect reflect who they think their audience is. And, you know, the audience, especially these younger audiences, really kind of see right through that. So mm. a lot of times in marketing, we use these words of authenticity, but no one really knows what that means or where <laughs> to begin. So the seventh level statement is, you know, before you can connect with others in terms of their personal values and beliefs, you have to know what your personal values and beliefs are. And, you know, I use a lot of movie characters in the book as well <laughs> to talk about, you know, I talk about Harry Potter um, and I talk about Elsa and I talk about, you know, mm. the like Black Panther. And, you know, I think it's it's having this this guiding force, this North Star, Luke Skywalker, of what these characters believe in. So I talk, are you a Star Wars fan? I am, chance? I am, yes. Okay, me too. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like a new school Star Wars fan because my husband got me into it like four years ago. And I was like, this is the most incredible. How is not everyone obsessed with this? Um, but, you know, Luke Skywalker really believes that, you know, in, in good over evil. And, and that is evident. I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone, but that's evident. <laughs> with the way that he talks to his father, Darth Vader. I hope everyone knows that that's the ending. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> but he needs a guide, which is Yoda. And, you know, there's a bunch of guides, but Yoda is one of his main guides. Mm. Kind of bring that out in him and remind him that that's what he really stands for. And then that that's the through line throughout the movie as he keeps going back to that. Uh, and through that, people really can connect with him from that place. And that's why he ends up having loyal followers and loyal fans that end up, you know, helping him save the universe. So, you know, it's that it's that personal value and belief. And I, when I talk about brands, you know, Apple mm. would be think different and Nike would be just do it. They've they've updated theirs a little bit to be, um, you know, around this idea of sacrificing everything when it's worth it. But there's all these brands that we look up to that have these very visceral, you know, mission statements and values that are their driving force. And that's the seventh level statement. But it's not as simple as just, okay, now I have my statement. So I'm going to connect from that place. It's starting there and then being able to have a step-by-step -step process to ensure that you're really connecting with your customer audience relationship in this, again, very meaningful way.
Well, before I move on, I have to ask your take on these most recent Star Wars films, The Force <laughs> Awakens and The Last Jedi, etc. Well, it's funny because Star Wars fans are so at the seventh level. And I say that, like, if you don't activate seventh level customers in a way that mm. makes sense for them and for you, they can really end up becoming a distraction for mm. your company. So I think that, you know, the, I think that the franchise could have probably done a better job at activating those fans earlier on and getting them excited and, and, and explaining to them that these were going to be different. And I think that they did the best job that they could. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think that it will be very difficult for Star Wars to be able to keep their seventh level fans from their first franchise mm-hmm. happy with this new franchise because you know the first franchise didn't have technology the way that we do now and mm. that's kind of what made it so special and George Lucas was so ahead of his time and and was such a creative and it's like a lot of people were really connected to for Star Wars the seventh level statement of being able to I would say like again create this alternate reality and this universe but using things that were so outside of the box and so before our time mm. you know and now it's so easy in a way to kind of create these types of realities and experiences that I think that they did the best they could with their, with their new storylines and, you know, bringing back the older characters and, and trying to kind of, again, create that same visceral personal connection to the audience, which I still feel, I still like mm-hmm. the new movies, but for those who again, grew up with the original star Wars, uh, they're just, you know, I think it, it feels almost like a sellout, but I just don't know what else that they could do. I think they're right. doing the best they possibly could in a world where technology is first and foremost, you know, at the front and center of creating these types of movies. So Mm. I like them. I like the new Star Wars movies. Um, But I can I can imagine that there is some distance between what people loved about the new the old movies and what they love about the the mm-hmm. new ones what a yeah well thought out answer i appreciate that <laughs> very, very much i really love star wars <laughs> i can tell it's awesome like, i really really do so i mean again i'm not i would probably be looked at like as a complete poser for like real star wars fans but <laughs> no, no. i i do i do appreciate the importance of the stories that are you know uncovered through these movies. Well, you mentioned uh, disengagement a moment ago. I want to dig into some of these seven levels. Uh, mm-hmm. I was somewhat enlightened to learn that disengagement isn't the opposite of engagement. It's a level of engagement. Mm-hmm. Describe what you mean by that, Amanda. Yeah, so I wrote my my thesis um, on the seventh level when I was in my master's year 10 years ago. And I, I studied what engagement looked like in the classroom. And there are these seven distinct levels of engagement um, that I found through these two professors that created this category system of these seven levels. And I turned those levels into a framework, into a way to actually measure engagement, to be able to assess engagement, to be able to determine engagement as opposed to just a categorization system. Um, And the first level of those seven levels is disengagement. So the reason why I say it's not the opposite of engagement and it is this, this first level is because I feel that so often what we do is when someone doesn't answer us, you know, and is disengaged, avoiding or idle from the task at hand, might like scroll past us. I say on the street, if someone ever asks you for a donation and you're kind of walking right by Mm. that's disengagement Um, we so often think that that's kind of okay well now we have to give up and that person is unreachable but I don't necessarily agree with that I I think that apathy is the opposite of engagement and Mm. that we are you know we're creating apathetic customers by not necessarily understanding that even though when someone's disengaged we can move them up to the next level if we look at ourselves and we better ourselves in the process so the reason why I like to say that again it's, it's not this binary understanding of engagement 
versus disengagement. It's that disengagement is that number, that level one. Mm. And I break out the, the seven levels into these three buckets. And those three buckets are attract, engage, and delight. And this was from the HubSpot, which is an inbound marketing tool. Mm-hmm. It's their flywheel. So the bottom three levels are all around attracting your customer. But the whole point of even with disengagement is to look at, you know, why is this person disengaged? Who is my customer? Am I talking to the to the customer in the right way? Am I talking to them in the right on the right platforms? Am I talking to them at the right time of day? So the whole point of of having that level one disengagement when someone's avoiding your idol from the task at hand, it doesn't mean they hate you. It doesn't mean they're mm. against you. It doesn't mean that they hate the world, which again is is apathy. It means that they're avoiding your idol from the task at hand. So mm. I think to me it's less daunting to look at it as level one, as opposed to, oh, there's no way that I could ever, you know, reach the people that I'm trying to reach. It reminds me of a phrase that has stuck with me for years. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Yes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. I think, I think that's in the Lumineer song too, which is mm. one of my favorite songs ever. The opposite. Yeah, I was going to try to sing it. Um, but yes, I, that's exactly right. I think too. And they've also said, the opposite of love I've heard as well is, is fear, where it's mm. like, I think that so often we feel, we don't necessarily know why our audience is disengaged. Mm. Um, and then again, that's that's kind of that same, we either blame our audience and we say like, and this can be any relationship, as I said, like it can be your partner, it can be your employee, it can be your boss, it can be like what, whoever you're trying to engage with, whoever you're trying to connect with, we blame them and we say, oh, well, they're disengaged because you know they just don't get us or they're just not the right fit. But this framework, it's all around, it's an action a question and a goal associated with each level. And the whole point of the framework is to identify what is the action that's associated with disengagement that I'm trying to Mm. combat? What are questions that can guide me moving forward? And then what are goals that I can set to move up another level? So that again, you're not just stuck in this situation of blaming everyone else and not bettering yourself so that you can improve and actually connect with the people you want to connect with. So that's level one. Well, as you no doubt know, one of my favorite ways for leveling up is reading consistently. That's simply something that most people aren't doing. And one of my favorite tools for doing that, especially when I'm on the go, is Audible. I've lost track of how long I've been using Audible to grow personally and professionally. It is the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, and they now include something called Audible Originals, which I love. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, and scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. Here's what you get every single month. You can choose one audiobook, regardless of price, and two Audible Originals from a fresh selection. My book recommendation is High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way by Brendan Burchard. It's yours free when you try Audible for 30 days. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free just by visiting audible.com slash read to lead. That's audible.com slash read to lead. Or you can just text read to lead to 500 500. Well, help move us through then the rest of the attract phase, if you don't mind, Amanda, into level two and, and level three. We've got, I think, unsystematic engagement, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. you say often rears its head in marketing. And then uh, I think level three is frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Frustrated engagement. Awesome. So, you know, for all three levels for the bottom is like foundational. So I say like you would never want to build a house on, on sand. So it's extremely important that you have this foundation set with your customer. And one, two, and three is all around earning trust. So, you know, disengagement is 
someone is avoiding your idol at the task, the task at hand. And at one, you're thinking, who is my customer? Where are they? And, you know, again, how am I actually reaching that customer? So for disengagement, we talk about creating user personas, customer personas, um, being able to really understand, you know, how you're talking to your employees, your internal customers, or your audience, your external customers. Level two is unsystematic engagement, which is when someone's confused by the messaging. And that is really around what you are saying to your customer, the words that you're using. So as you said, it really, it's very much a problem in marketing because of all the jargon that's used. And I think every industry has jargon, um, but in marketing, we use all of these, you know, abbreviations and we use these, you know, I, I tell a story of uh, my father, which I talk about in the book works for, for catalyst and he's not a millennial, you know, obviously um, <laughs> he's, he's, I call him millennial minded, which is, you know, the baby, other psycho demographics that have been impacted by the psychographics of millennials. Mm. But he, you know, when he first started working for catalyst, we kept using the word deck and you know we would say oh send this deck to this client or what about this deck and what about he's like what is a deck what are you talking about <laughs> and i was like it's a presentation like with slides and i had to explain it and you know i i really talk about this with with level two as well with employers and employees you know that leaders really need to be the ones to not necessarily always say does it make sense because people who are not necessarily again executives might not feel comfortable sharing that it doesn't make sense so mm. it's very important that level two to ensure once you identify who you're talking to, what you're actually saying to them. And then three is frustrated engagement. So yes, it's when you're essentially frustrated, but when you want to engage with something, but you're distracted, which is pretty much all of life. So within workplaces, I talk a lot about how uh, a lot of times leaders or managers, people managers are asking their team to do something, but then they're slacking, you know, do you know slack? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) they're slacking them all day long. And this is, I'm so guilty of this. So we've really had to create boundaries with each other in order to be able to get work done because, you know, it's, it's very difficult. And this is, again, it's, it's really about empowering the team to be able to speak to their the bosses Mm. and say hey this is not working for me and you know i can't get the work done that you're expecting and that takes a whole different cultural shift but if you just think of frustrated engagement as how do i limit distractions for my customer how do i not create more distractions in this world of distractions which is you know from a marketing perspective how do i not do the wrong pop-up or how do i make sure my website is optimized at the you know is, is loading at the right amount of time or how do i make sure that the customer journey is clear for what i actually want for this customer and with my employees it's how do I not create more distractions for them? If I'm asking them to do something, how do I set them up for success where I'm not then asking it for 20 more things by the end of the day? How do I, you know, set priorities and make sure that they know how to be able to communicate with me when, you know, they do need time and space to complete something. So one, two, and three is again around who are you talking to? How are you talking to them? What are you saying to them? And then limiting the distractions for them. What's the customer journey for them? Um, and, and how are you again, earning the trust of this other person um, in order to be able to then build off of that relationship for the other levels. I'm proud to say that uh, I, I've introduced so many people to Slack. I love Slack. Slack's the best. And I think that it's for a certain purpose. You know, I I think that sometimes what ends up happening is if we just live on Slack and email all day long, it can end up keeping us at level three instead of allowing us for for us to get to these next levels Mm. um, and do the work at hand that we actually have to do because we're just kind of living in this in this, you know, field of distraction all day long if we don't know how to use the tool. So that's like, again, a big thing about the book is like if if we're letting the tools use us (laughs) and define (laughs) what engagement looks like for us, what success looks like for us, then 
then we're never really, we're kind of like, you know, running in circles. So mm. I also love, we're a remote team, you know, we're 10 people all over the country and the world, different time zones. Slack is amazing. And we have, we're a majority millennials have really had to say, pick up the phone. Like you have <laughs> to call people sometimes because we can't, we can't fully grasp or yeah. understand sometimes what you are really needing on Slack. And it's important that there's that combination. And, and I think, again, these levels make it less personal. It's like, okay, I'm frustrated engaged right now. This is a big thing as well with, with video calls. Um, I've had to say multiple times to, to the team, you know, I, I personally would request that you don't do things while you're on the video calls <laughs> so that, because I'm then frustrated engaged. Yeah. So it's not personal. It's not like you're doing something wrong. It's like, I'm just frustrated and engaged. Like, let's move to this next level by doing X, Y, and Z. And the last thing I'll say with, with frustrated engagements, it's such a huge problem in our society is I do, I do, say this to my husband as well in a, in a big way because you know my husband and I work together as well so my, my dad and my husband hope you're keeping track um, <laughs> and my best friend and I started the company together so yeah but with my husband we are constantly together but almost not together because mm. we're always like you know we're we can we work from the same place but we're not really working together and so our phones are always around and and I've really had to ask as well hey let's take our phones let's shut our phones off at a certain time so that we can reach higher levels of engagement and not stay at level three but when you have this language it's so much more powerful and empowering to be able to just again take the emotions out of it take the personal attack out of it and just mm. say oh well we're at level three so what do we need to do to move to level four and going back to that analogy you used before these first three levels are all about getting to know someone on that first date right but by the time you've reached level mm-hmm. four you, you you've gone out a few times maybe you're ready to introduce them around of friends and, <laughs> and, and family talk about that level and what it positions you to do Exactly right. Yes. And in Harry Met Sally, I kind of talk about with three, how Harry and Sally are kind of getting to know each other a little bit more and they're really starting to like each other. And then he runs into his ex-wife and then he gets completely distracted again. (laughs) Um, Four is instruction based. So it's called structure dependent engagement. It's when you're asking someone to do something and if it's simple enough, they will do it. So Mm. very similarly, as you just said, you're going on a few dates and now you say, okay, can you come to this event? And they come. Um, Or, you know, you ask like, can you meet my family? That might be a little bit of a higher level, which I'll talk about in a minute with level five and what you need to do to incentivize them (laughs) to do something like that. But at four, when it comes to marketing, it's really based on what I feel is the way we've defined engagement thus far when it comes to social media and digital marketing, because we are told that engagement is likes, comments, followers, shares. That's the way that all of the social media tools that we use define engagement, which is, it is a level, but if you don't know how it fits into the grand scheme of things, you can kind of just get stuck with the these vanity metrics, and it never can actually drive your business or move it forward in any way. And I think that's a huge problem right now, again, with as you start to see more and more legacy brands die, is they're just told like, well, we have to reach millennials, and we have to have likes, and we have to be on Instagram, we have to be on Snapchat. But it's like, why? It always goes back to one, two, and three, this idea of who, you know, how, where, etc. You have to constantly be going backwards in order to move forwards. And this seems like so much work. But again, you're you're doing all this anyway, it's just this roadmap. And I just have to say one more thing before I talk about about four more in detail is you constantly think about your seventh level statement throughout this whole process. So mm. what that means is it's the lens in which you connect with, with the other. So, you know, with one, two, and three, you're not changing who you are. You're not saying, okay, who is my customer now? I'm going to act like the way that they want me to right. act. I'm going to talk the way they want me to talk. It's going back to what do I stand for? What do I believe in? And then how do I leverage that to connect with the right audience in the right way? You know, again, limit distractions for that right person based on what I believe in. So even at four, 
with structured dependent engagement, which is again, instruction based, now you can start asking, you know, a little bit more of your customer. It's really important that you recognize what do you stand for? What do you believe in in that process? So you're not looking inauthentic when you are talking on social media and you are asking something of someone. And, you know, with four in the workplace, this is very much kind of the traditional workplace, which is do that, do this, which I think, again, we do forget sometimes with like, I'm an elder millennial, I'm on like the older age of the millennial. But I think that the problem with all of these workplace kind of blogs and, you know, culture, culture articles around like what is what millennials want and what Gen Z wants is that we do forget that work is still work. And that is an important part of building a business. Like people need to get their jobs done. Yes, they need to have a sense of purpose and identity and flexible workplaces. And they need to know that they, you know, can work the way they want and et cetera, et cetera. But they also need to get things done which is level four. However, if we settle for level four with this current audience of younger people entering the workplace, and also, again, the millennial-minded, older demographics also looking for more from work, then that's where we are limited. We are we are really you know, only focused on the status quo, which is managers micromanaging and telling people to constantly have to do things. And that's not the type of job that anyone wants, you know, the, the micromanager or the person being mm-hmm. managed. So for well, structure-dependent engagement, do this, do that, it's important, and it's still building that foundation, but it's not the be-all, end-all. And that is something that's extremely important me with these levels is let's not just settle for likes comments and for you know the the basic you know necessity of doing the work so that's four sometimes when you want someone to do something and it's a little bit of a bigger ask they are not just going to do it so on social media a lot of the times what happens is you know when it comes to comments or likes you know so many brands will ask us you know how do we get followers which is like my biggest my you know i do it i do it kind of like but i'm like but can we also figure out a longer goal for you and like what those followers are going to help you with? Like, are you going to get their emails or how are you going to connect with them down the road? Like, how are you going to build off of that connection? Um, But a lot of the times when it comes to followers or comments, any type of quote unquote level four engagement on social media, it's very difficult to get people to do things. Sometimes it's not, you know, I talk about Netflix in the book, they have great level four engagement on social media. They do a great job, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's harder. So then you need to have an incentive and you need to pique the interest and the excitement of your audience. And so on social media, a lot of the times within digital marketing, and this is actually across the board with marketing, you know, you want something to excite them. So that's influencer marketing, that's Mm. sweepstakes, promotions. I I talk about charity events in the book, like even charity events, even though, yes, you want people to like get involved in a gala because they care so much about the cause. But a lot of the times there's so many options. You need talent, you need gift bags, you need, you know, a really good auction, you know, you need things to pique the interest and get someone excited. And Mm. then when it comes to, again, employees, this is really bonus and commission, you know, commission structures, vacation days, remote park policies, like what are all the things that's what's in it for them? Um, And it has to exist. It just, if we only settle for four and five, then we're really in a position where we're not necessarily getting much more out of the people that we work with. Uh, We're not, it's it's kind of, again, it, it ends up being kind of this old paradigm of the way that work was, but because so many people are looking for so much more from work because our phone is with us and we're constantly working it's like a part of our life we want more and that's where the 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 top two levels come in and then moving from five now there's critical engagement this is Mm -hmm. i think what you call a moment of enlightenment where your message is inspiring others to change what what if we've reached the point of inspiring others but then begin to falter in the earlier levels at the same time 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I will say, you know, I love that you say it's like this, this moment, because when I look at the levels, I, I look at like one being a passive consumer. And once we get to, to six, we're starting to catalyze, which is the name of the company, um, we're starting to catalyze individuals into active participants. And, you know, the company's Catalyst Creative, we call it Catalyst a lot, but it's Catalyst Creative with this idea of activating people's creativity. And, you know, when it comes to level five, your Daniel Pink, I talked about this in the book as well, he gives a great TED talk around, you cannot necessarily um, incentivize creativity with Mm. these level five incentives, if you will. You know, it it doesn't, you know, financial incentives are not going to spur creativity. So what does? Um, And that's this critical engagement level. So again, though, it is so crucial at six, you know, to not just have a glossy mission statement and, and assume that people are going to, you know, follow you even though you're not necessarily you know, walking the walk. So it always goes back to this idea of one going back and making sure that all, it's almost like a checklist, like making sure you're still doing all the things that you need to do. So let's say again with REI, again in the book, mm-hmm. talk about opt outside. And they're actually going one step further this year with Black Friday, but they closed all their stores on Black Friday um, to be able to let their employees be more close to nature and to be really connected to nature. And, um, and then what ended up happening was obviously they were standing for something in the process because they were technically losing profit on, Mm. you know, one of the most profitable days of the year by also not necessarily letting their, their audience connect with their stores because they said nature is more important to us than, than profit. And Mm. that was really walking the walk and talking the talk. And then that ended up becoming this humongous campaign. And now they have, you know, a full website, a full platform, all these resources. Um, It kind of became a brand of its own and Patagonia also, these are very, very extreme examples, but Patagonia, Patagonia also shows these examples of their employees really kind of, again, walking the walk, like going out and being activists for nature. And that is, again, these are extreme, but I feel that every company can figure out how they're communicating, what goals that they've set. Because level six is when you're inspiring someone to set goals to mm-hmm. make a difference in their life. You know, what goals have they set? What is a part of their story that's important that can help someone set goals in their life? And a, a goal can be as simple as in the book, we talk about this online mattress company. We make up a, a company um, and we talk about, you know, this idea that the company stands for sleeping better and the importance of sleep. And then at level six, it's this idea of, okay, how can they talk about how people can set goals around better sleeping habits in order to then be able to connect with what that company, the seventh level statement, what that company stands for, and be able to, again, have this more meaningful relationship with the actual company. Internal employees, this is a little bit easier, I would say, because, well, I wouldn't, I don't know, easier maybe to communicate, maybe not necessarily to live by, but this is all around your core values, what you stand for, and how you're actually integrating that into your organization. So Zappos does a great job of being able to share their core values with the world, but then they integrate that into their, you know, into their employee, you know, how they're actually measuring their employee success. So at six, it's this idea of what goals are you setting? How are you communicating those goals with, with your internal and your external audience? And then how are you living by? those goals. And, you know, again, it's not necessarily just what you're selling. You've already kind of gotten your audience excited. They've connected with you in little moments. Maybe they've downloaded a PDF or they've commented on something on social media. You know, they've, they've connected with you. You know who they are and you're speaking to them in the right way. You've limited the distractions. So they're, they are, you know, they trust you and then you've been engaging with them a little bit, but now you want to inspire them to think differently about their life in some way or another so that they want to purchase from you and be ambassadors for you and advocates for you. While this is all you know, this very kind of lofty, very, very emotional, I would say, framework that can change the way you think about your relationships. It also can and should 
help your bottom line because you want someone to be inspired enough to set goals to make a difference in their life and interact with you. So that's the importance of six is that that moment of, okay, now I've been inspired to set some type of goal in my life to think differently about my life um, so that I can be be loyal to this company. So we've talked about the the seventh level statement and going back mm-hmm. to that as we as we go through each of these phases or levels. We've talked about six of the seven levels. Amanda has teased level seven. <laughs> uh, this is the holy grail. This is action yes. without incentive, right? Walk us through the bliss yes. that is literate thinking. Yes, the bliss. I love that. <laughs> yes, the bliss that is literate thinking. So yes, the seventh level is really where we all, what we're all striving for, but we don't realize it. So when we use these other examples, you know, these Nikes and these Apple apples, and I talk about Harley Davidson as well, because everyone's tattooing Harley Davidson, not everyone, <laughs> but millions of people are tattooing the Harley Davidson logo on their bodies. You know, it's this really deep visceral connection to your company. And, you know, it's not necessarily, you don't have to sell something that's this bigger, like a motorcycle. Isn't this like Harley Davidson? is not Patagonia. Mm. You know, they're not necessarily doing anything specific for the world to make it better, but the people that connect with Harley Davidson are these unbelievably loyal customers. And, you know, I was talking to this woman, she works at a credit union and I was doing kind of a seventh level. I do these seventh level day sessions where I walk people through the levels and how it can apply to their business and then it helps them with like an engagement success roadmap so that they know, you know, what those steps are to help their customers become these, these loyal advocates. But she was telling me that she already has a lot of seventh level customers. And the, the biggest thing with the seventh level customers is to treat them differently and make sure that you're keeping them at the seventh level. So, you know, once they're actually at literate thinking, once their personal values and beliefs align with your message, once they're referring people to you, in this case, this woman was telling me her customers, her seventh level customers defend, you know, this credit union if mm. anyone were to say anything negative about them, which I which I talk about with Lady Gaga fans and Beyonce fans, but this is a credit union. Like, you know, these are extremely loyal people that have been customers for 30 years. And again, this is a huge thing with legacy brands that I feel is a problem is that so many legacy brands feel that they need to reach these next this next audience, which they do. They do have to reach younger audiences in order to be to survive, but they should be leveraging their seventh level customer in order to do that. The people that have been loyal to them for years, not just completely ignore those customers and then, you know, try to start at level one with new customers. Like let's activate the current seventh level customers and help, you know, leverage them to be able to build a business. So I think again with with personal values and beliefs, these are the people that are obsessed with you, that are sharing on social media, that are, you know, referring friends without you incentivizing them to do so, financially incentivizing. It's not because they get a discount code. It's because they really love you. They're, you know, they're also, again, as employees, they're, they're advocates for your brand and they're going on Glassdoor and they're giving you amazing reviews and they're, they're just, they love, they're wearing your, you know, your merch and your shirts out. And, you know, they're constantly talking about you to friends and family. And, you know, how are we treating those, those people differently? And it's funny because, you know, I, I, realize that I always say kind of like when you're standing on the sun, you're blind or like the cobbler's kids have no shoes, you know, Um, or like a manicurist never has their own nails done. It's like we at Catalyst have helped so many companies with their engagement tactics, um, you know, and they're through creative outputs, whether that's like an event or website, branding, social media campaign. And yet, like, it's been very difficult over the past seven years for us to ensure that we're doing the same thing for ourselves. Um, So it was really, really important when launching this book that we treated our Mm. clients differently we treated, you know, we 
we did these catalysts and creative weeks in downtown Vegas for two and a half years. We treated those attendees differently, um, you know, that we segmented out audiences that have been connecting with us and supporting us for years. And we didn't just bucket them into the same audience that, you know, of everyone else, because that would be unfair to them. You know, these are really loyal people. So, you know, it's really important at the seventh level that you treat these customers with emotional respect and you incentivize them differently, not just financially, but emotionally incentivize them to show that they're seen and they're heard and that, you know, that they're different and they're special. That's an extremely important piece of, of the seventh level when you once you've reached it. Don't don't lose them. I, I so appreciate your energy. There is absolutely no doubt that you, Amanda, are living your your seventh level <laughs> statement for sure. Appreciate that about you. Uh, anything else about the book you want to want us to know before I move on to a couple of questions not directly related to the book? Um, yeah, I think you know, and thank you so much for saying that because when I do, it's very meta. But when I am speaking about the seventh level, I'm very much at my seventh level. Like I can <laughs> feel that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think for the book, this I would really want people to think differently about themselves in this process. And what I mean by that is, you know, the whole point of the framework is to think about, again, that action question goal. What is an action that's associated with this level? What are questions that can guide me to move forward? And what are goals that I can set to, again, you know, strive towards the seventh level? And I, I think if we can all think a little bit differently about ourselves and better ourselves in this process and think, okay, how can I get better? How can I get better? Um, as opposed to, again, kind of the blame game, I would hope that our relationships change and our communication changed, our connection changes, and the way that we think about ourselves in the process changes. So that would be my my biggest kind of, I would would want uh, the, a big takeaway from the book is like, you know, if I strive for the seventh level, maybe not everyone will get there, um, but more people will get there than certainly now because I'm not striving for the seventh level mm-hmm. because I don't even know it exists. Um, and also, you know, it's I'm taking it, it, the accountability, the responsibility, but also I'm taking the opportunity back into my own hands um, and recognizing that I can do something about this. Like this is not mm. this hopeless situation where, you know, I can't start a business or it's too hard. Or I don't know where to begin or, you know, I have a business and I want to launch something new and I don't, you know, it's not working. And why is it not working? Like it's, it's not such a hopeless situation. This gives you that step-by-step process. This is like the Yoda. This is the guide that can help you remember who you are and then how to connect with people from that place. Well, you, you've mentioned uh, an author or two uh, along the way. I, I'd be mm-hmm. curious, Amanda, to know what books have impacted you throughout your career. What have you read that uh, has stuck with you and that maybe you even refer back to again and again? Yeah. So, I mean, I, well, Tony Shea's my business partner, so it's a little bit biased, but <laughs> before he was my business partner, I did read his book, Delivering Happiness book. within like 24 hours before literally I barely knew who he was and I was meeting him the next day. So I read it overnight. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's a great book because it's just, it really can, it's personal and it, everyone can kind of relate to it. So I do, I do love Tony Shea. I, I, I'm very much kind of, again, this is, these are all very standard books, but then I could talk maybe about a little bit more unique books, but Brene Brown's, <laughs> all of her books are tremendous. Um, and I think that's also because she's so real, um, and she's so personal as well in the way that she writes. And I, I just find that that is just so easy to be able to digest. Um, getting things done is not like either of those books. (laughs) Um, It's a very difficult book to digest, but it Mm. really is an incredible book to, to change the way that you think about, again, how you can actually get things done and, you know, continue to do the things that you love, but in a way that makes sense for you. And then thinking fast and slow, I also love not 
not as easy to get through, mm. but really was just an unbelievable book and transformed the way that I thought about business. And, you know, again, just like math and the psychology <laughs> of math, which is a pretty important um, and that people don't really realize the importance of, you know, the way that um, Daniel breaks down the importance of math and the, and the connection of the way that we're thinking about math and the way that we're thinking about, again, just business in general. Um, so yeah, those would be my, my books. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that, I mean, this is not necessarily a business book, but the four agreements and the fifth agreement are books that I mm. think every business person should read um, because, you know, it just helps you. It's kind of like a, a book just about being a human, mm. which I think is important to also have um, in business is, you know, what kind of human do you want to be as you're thinking and you're working with other human beings. So I would also highly recommend um, those books. Great recommendations. I remember reading, or I should say listening to Delivering Happiness. I, I, I mm. listened to Tony read it to me uh, years ago when I first dove into <laughs> awesome. that one. Great book. Great book. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, as a successful speaker, you've done your share of TEDx and TED Talks. Uh, I'd like to know what are some of your tips for delivering an, an impactful talk and a memorable talk that's really going to land with your audience? So Seth Godin, another great author, mm. um, he he has some great advice that I'm going to steal because it's something <laughs> that I've always done. But the way that he framed it was really was really well uh. said, which is this idea of don't necessarily memorize a talk, like memorize a few different stories mm. um, and have those stories in your back pocket and be able to kind of pull from those stories because people will, which is very much seventh level, people will be able to relate to, again, what you, you personally stand for and what you personally believe in um, versus, again, the like level four and five. But what I would say is within a, within a great talk, you do need to think about all the levels. So, you know, when I am speaking, I try to include some level four in, in the talk where mm. I'm asking the audience to do something simple. Um, I try to excite the audience and give them some type of incentive. Like I, I offered the presentation at the end of the talk, if they give me their email so they can get that right away. And then we have a landing page set up where they get that. And it's a full, you know, integrated experience where I'm actually making sure that I have get something out of it as well and they get something out of it. Mm. Um, and then I, I'm also, you know, with, with six, I'm inspiring them to set goals where I'm throughout the talk I'm making sure that I'm reiterating where it's like, okay, now you can do this and now you can do this. <laughs> um, and, and I also for one, two and three, I know, you know, who am I speaking to, you know, based on, I don't necessarily do the same examples, the same action question goals every single talk. So I'm asking who am I speaking to? How am I speaking to them? I make sure to not use too much jargon at level two. So I would say if you, you really can use the levels to actually wow. create a great talk because you know it's important that I, I really do think about that with frustrated engagement. I always make sure too when it comes to distractions. You know, I make sure to go in early and make sure that the clicker works, that the sound works, and that the presentation works because it will it drives me nuts. And also with frustrated <laughs> engagement, I make sure to not have too much text on the slides because I don't want to distract people too much. So you know, again, the the levels come easily to me, but it's not such a big process. Like if you literally look at like who are you speaking to, who's your audience. How am I limiting jargon so that they understand what I'm saying? How am I making sure there's limited distractions by using a lot of visuals, not too much text? What are call to actions that I could have throughout the presentation, you know, that I can ask them whether it's raising their hands or talking to their partner? What's an incentive that I can give them? This is now five. What goals am I sharing that I've set that can inspire them to set goals? And then how am I connecting with their personal values and beliefs based on what I stand for, which is being able to come from that place of this storytelling, this personal connection, being very vulnerable um, and and not necessarily losing who I am in the process, making sure that I'm always going back to, again, what I believe in. So 
that's how mm. you can use the levels. I just, you know, realized. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I hadn't considered that before, but that's that's a great application for, yeah. for your book that I hadn't thought of. Well, <laughs> uh, I know the book's only been out for a few days. Well, I want to ask, though, what's around the corner? What's next for you and your team that you're excited about, if you, if you know the answer to that question already? Yeah. So we actually kind of maybe thought 10 steps ahead, like, oh. okay, the book is launched now. What? So we <laughs> built out a fully robust website, which is the dash spelt out seventh level.com. Um, and it's a full website with like 20 plus pages. So there's a whole learning, mm. you know, there's all these learning resources there. There's, you know, a free three hour course with HubSpot and there's all these different blog posts and content. You can create your own seventh level statement. Like there's tons of, you know, videos. There's, there's so much on this website that you can learn from for free. Um, and we, just launched that the same day as the book. So for us, you know, what's what's next is this idea of, okay, now the book is is out there and people are going to be learning about this, but how can we help them apply it? Um, and so we also have, you know, whether it is free resources or it's hands-on, you know, consulting sessions or workshops or, you know, training certification programs, like really getting people to integrate this. We have a whole qualitative way of measuring engagement within workplaces. So we apply this, you know, and we actually say, okay, what is it, what do your employees actually look like? You know, your internal customers, are they engaged? So we have a whole program there, or we have an external program where we say, okay, let us help you build out a full roadmap around whether it is launching a product or, you know, marketing something to your audience. Like how can we use this to build out this very, successful roadmap for your whole team. Um, so it's it's this hands-on approach now to applying the seventh level to, to solving people's engagement problems. Um, and whether that's free or paid or whatever we want, this is to as many people as possible. That <laughs> is the next thing that we've already kind of worked on, wow. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I'm looking at the site now. It looks fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Job. Yeah, we we built. That's the thing too that I will say that I understand um, as an author, but also as someone running a business. And I'm also seven months pregnant. A lot of the seven is really <laughs> seven years old. The company's seven years old. I'm seven oh, wow. months pregnant when the book launched. Lots of sevens. My birthday's on the seventh. That's a separate situation. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think that we built out the seventh level while we also like we built out this entire site while we also were running a business and mm. I was running the book while we were running the business. So, you know, I do know it's possible. It's so much work, but I'm running a company and I understand how hard it is to stay relevant and to stay connected and to keep your customers happy and, you know, to also tell your, to share your own message. So I just, that's why this work is so important to me because I I've had to do it and we use the framework in building the brand. So again, very meta, but I, I do know that it works. Um, it's just, and it does take time, energy and effort, but we're already doing it anyway. So this is just a way mm. of streamlining that process. Well, I'm glad to hear uh, from you earlier that uh, the book is not a number seven bestseller. It's a number <laughs> one bestseller, right? <laughs> yes, it is. I think in seven or more categories though, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a top bestseller in multiple categories, which is, which is awesome. It's number one in organizational change in the world workplace, number one in, in direct marketing and small business marketing um, in multiple categories. And then, and the reason why I, I'm so excited about that is because, you know, it's really speaking to all different. That's the whole point when you said in the beginning, like, what is engagement? It's this like word that we don't really know. Mm -hmm. Like this gives us this shared definition of engagement, whether it is around employees, internal customers or external customers, it gives this definition where we can all be speaking the same language and we can be saying like, Hey, it seems like, you know, our 
employees are at level two. So maybe we should be focusing on them before we keep talking about our audience, which might be at a higher level. But if our employees are not engaged, what's the point? So everyone can speak the same language. And, and that's why it's cool that it's on multiple categories, because it shows that it can be a shared definition across across an organization. Well, her name again is Amanda Slavin, and the book is called The Seventh Level. Transform your business through meaningful engagement with your customers and your employees. It's been a treat, Amanda. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the Read to Lead podcast and sharing with us all that you've learned about this. Thank you so much. And thank you for reading my book. I'm so excited to talk about this always. Well, between Amanda's book, the book I recommended, and the six books she recommended, you might say after visiting with me this week, you've got your work cut out for you. You may have to pick and choose. But if you were just going to choose a couple, go with Amanda's book and Brendan Burchard's book. Get it free on Audible when you visit audible.com slash read to lead. For links to all of those books and the other resources that we talked about, you can visit the show notes page I've created just for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 292 for episode 292. For suggestions, comments, or questions, you can write me directly. That address is jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. I always look forward to reading your emails. Again, that's jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. That should do it this time around. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 